everybody. Welcome to F-Bomb, the podcast. Doing a test episode today. F-Bomb. Got Mike Sassen here with me, Mike Mangan. Is that how you pronounce it, Mike? Yes. All right, well. Definitely. Thank you. You might know Mike from the F-Bomb party. Uh, he is the flavor player to my Chuck D. Yeah. Uh, I've that about 800 times already. The hype man. And... Uh, it's a Sunday afternoon in January 2017. What is it? The uh, 14th. January 14th. We got about six days left of uh, President Barack Obama and then Donald Trump. And uh, that's where we're at this year. That's where we're at. Starting out a new year. We've been working on an F-bomb documentary. We're working on the party. We're trying to always expand and build up the thing and make it more interesting and fun and Bring new people in and move old people out. Fun and frustrating and challenging. Yep. And heartbreaking. Yep. Time consuming and <laughs> money wasting and F bombing. F bombing. Yes. All, All, All right. So I just want to quickly go over like what the whole concept behind this podcast is. Like I listen to a lot of podcasts. Um, one of my maybe not favorite right now, not in heavy rotation, but uh very much inspirational podcast is WTF, Mark Maron's podcast, where he just interviews like a different person every week. And sometimes that person's a comedian I've never heard of, and sometimes that person is uh, Bruce Springsteen or Barack Obama. And, you know, everybody's a person, and everybody has something to say. And that's kind of the goal here with the F-Bomb, docu- well, F-Bomb podcast. I want to get into inner machinations, into the lives of people, and have them tell their stories and archive this stuff for future generations who want to hear the stories of a bunch of people they've never heard of before you know but maybe it's going to grow maybe i'm going to start getting bigger name people in here maybe it can help spread the word about what we're trying to do to help preserve rock and roll and help uh you know keep something going on from our generation that uh doesn't seem to be being picked up by the younger people you know i mean some of them do but you know those of you who know us have been to F-bomb parties, and you know that we just like to play rock and roll music and have a good time, and that's what it's all about. Uh, Mike here joined the F-bomb party with the Metallica show. He yep. became a producer. First I'm first not sure what F-bomb number that is. We could look that up later. 64. 60, 84. 84, I think it is. It, it was Metallica. was 84. I think. That was a good year for Metallica as well. Now, you see, I should have told you before we started, but this is the first podcast. You never have my fucking ringer on. Hold on. We're going to do this real quick. It's from Washington. Hello. May I help you? <laughs> Hello? Oh, yeah. Is that about cookies? No. It's from Washington State. Oh. All right. Well, it's probably some bullshit fake mail. You know, we can curse on this, so curse your ass off. Excellent. Thank you. Say fuck. Fuck it. Okay. Thank you. All right. So, Mike SOS. Yes. Mike Mangan. Yes. You and I grew up together. Not together, not but together. in the same city. Same town. Now. The same well, I grew up, shire. I grew up, I'm from College Point. Well, see. I know. But I worked in Wallbaums and Whitestone for 17 years. I had a dog that used to get out of the house and go to that Wallbaums. His name was Bo. He was a, what do you call it, a... Oh, God. Super smart dogs. Mike the Wonder Dog. Uh, Anyway, you don't remember Mike the Wonder Dog from up the creek? Border Collie. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, she would get out of the house and run over there and try to eat everything that was in the dumpsters behind McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, awesome. behind Wawa's. Awesome. Yeah. All right, so tell me, man. Um, what's your name? When were you born? Where were you born? Born. I was born in Flushing Hospital. Uh-huh. 1975. And uh, we moved to College Point that winter. Uh, winter of 76. Uh, no, actually, the winter of 75, when I was born, we moved into the house. In College Point? In, in College Point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so we've, I'm still there. I still live in College Point. You still live in the same house? I do. I live wow. in the basement. The same house. Your brother still live there, too? He does. And that's your family's... And my sister. My sister's married with children. But. And you you have... You, I know your brother's somewhat active in the world of John rock and roll. Ador- Who doesn't know John the Doorman? Yeah, John he's John the Doorman. Doorman. He's John the Doorman. I felt the need to introduce myself to him when, when I came to Blackthorn last time, though, because I was just like, cool. you know who I am, right? And he was like, yeah, of course I know who you are. You're like all over my brother's Facebook. <laughs> yeah, you know. But, you know, as you know, I don't go to Blackthorn no. that often because it's out there in Queens. and little nowhere. If you don't have, if you don't drive, it's it's the worst commute in, in the world. Yeah, well, luckily I got chauffeured back and forth that yes. day. That's awesome. So tell me... Growing up in Whitestone, I, I had the same experience or similar experience. I'm a little older, so my experience is probably more tied to the 1970s than you. But uh, College Point, Whitestone, Bayside, yeah. Malba, I don't know. I didn't know Malba existed for a while. I know. Because it's hidden under a bridge. It is. There's trolls, I think. Some it's trolls. There. trolls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's this particular way of growing up in northern Queens. Totally, completely. You're... Close to Manhattan enough to go, yep. but it's a pain in the ass to get there. It is. And when you're a kid, Oof. you got to take the bus. You got to. Fucking seven train, a Main Street flushing. Yep. Two well, I would take the, the Q15. Ooh, man. What's up, Mike, Mike Pacheco? Drives yeah, that's us right, Q15. Man. That's right. Casey Stangle. Casey Stangle Depot, baby. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why that made me think of Gallagher's, too, but for some reason. Gallagher's. Is that right next to the bus depot? Uh, <clears throat> in College Point. Be. Used to be. Yes. Close. So before we start getting into all the f bomb stuff, all the landmarks in Northern Queens. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna do a special podcast where we drive around oh, Northern Queens and just talk about stuff. So looking for actually, you know, today Mike bought me a sandwich from Cherry Valley. Cherry Valley, which is Tushin to Whitestone, one of the best sandwich shops in New York. Yep, people it's not the people go out of their way to get there. I just had a delicious Lean Boys turkey sandwich with gravy, yeah. and I haven't had one of those since I was up. Uh, I think at my boy Mike Baton's uh, house, the day he might have gone crazy and thrown all of his lizards out of the window. Holy Christ. (laughs) But that's a story for another day. How long long ago was that? That was a while ago. It was like 20 years ago, 17 years ago, something like that. (laughs) You know, part of my mission in doing these podcasts is like to get everybody's story, but it also gives me and my inflated ego... (laughs) A chance to tell my story over however many episodes awesome. that we record, no, right? No. So, oh, dude, I can't wait. Now we could really do the Morgan F bomb, the Morgan soliloquy. There's F-bomb. no way I could tell my story in one hour. I need like 500 hours no. to tell every little story that I have. It's the best thing with podcasts now, we get to keep them and we get to study them. We can put, pull them back at you, right? At a Morgan soliloquy F bomb. When I die, the roast. you can just play all that shit. <laughs> the the F bomb award show. We're going to have to do that one of these days. There's a million different ways F-Bomb could go out into the world. and It's crazy. This is a personal way where you can walk around and listen to some of your favorite musicians from around the neighborhood. And, you know, I, I hope people will be interested. 
But um, so tell me, when you were growing up out in College Point, yeah, how was it that you first started getting into music? I what was, was. What are your first memories of? It's always around the house. Always on the radio. Was always on stereo. Was always on. Uh-huh. Uh huh. My mom and dad were big music fans. What kind of stuff did they like to listen to? CBS FM, then so uh, light FM, rock and roll. Nothing too crazy, you know. Mm -hmm. What did your parents do? My mom was before she got married. She was a housewife, mm -hmm. but before she got married, she worked for TWA. So she, and she. Uh, she was a secretary, uh, executive secretary for like different. Companies. TWA, for those who don't know, was a, an airline. An airline back in the day that was yeah. pretty cool. It was pretty cool. She went everywhere. She went around the world. Uh -huh. My father worked when my father when we first were born. He was a cab driver, and and my dad was also a cab driver. Yeah, and then my mother made him stop because it was too dangerous. As one of the cabbies were getting shot and killed. New York back in the day, yeah, when man. everything was dangerous, Danger. but but then he worked at the for a government agency for about twenty five years. So you know they they just were middle class, and my mom my, my mom was adamant about staying home with the kids, and we, she raised us from home. Mom was PTA president, and you know she was excellent. She's the best. So they were just like typical middle class suburban parents who would yeah. listen to music on the radio. Yeah, we had the radio on all the time. So yeah, pop, like there was there's a there's a strong thread of hits from the 70s and 80s in my blood. Right. Uh conversely, my friends my best friends older brothers and his friends and those guys are like you're about your age. Mm -hmm. Like maybe a little older, but in in the range. Those guys, you know, were playing wiffle ball and blessed and queen and Ozzy and Right. Zeppelin in the doors. I mean, that's pretty much the suburban yeah. story. Yeah. You hear music on the radio, and then your brother, older brother, or and his buddies turn you on to stuff that's a little more. Yep. Like, hey, I'm not going to hear that on the radio. Yep. You know, I remember, a buddy of mine had a brother who was like really into early Genesis. You know, like the Peter yeah. Gabriel awesome. era, and I had no clue that that was a thing. Oh yeah. That's so awesome. I got to hear some of that stuff, and and so so on and so so forth. Right. You start raiding people's record collections and whatnot, but uh, well, those guys, the older guys, they would go to the more east all the time. Mm -hmm. So they were like, they were deep in the metal scene. You know, they were really, they weren't, they didn't play instruments, but they were really big fans. So they right. saw all the big bands back in the day, and they would go to Brooklyn too. Right, right. You know, well, I mean, for those who don't know what Lamore is, that was a metal club in Brooklyn, yes. and then they opened up uh, Lamore East, that was in Queens. Yep. And the Brooklyn Club was way more into like underground thrash and mm -hmm. darker stuff, yeah. and the Queens one was more about hair metal and more about, you know, kind of I guess you could say Queens versus Brooklyn type yeah. mentality because I guess Brooklyn's a little more gritty, Queens a little more pretty. <laughs> That's how it is. Um, well said. Here, here. Hey, I just came up with that on the top of my head. Did you really? I did. No, I have. I've been planning <laughs> to say be, that to you uh, all day. <laughs> is that going to be in cursive writing? I think you were. Is that going to be in cursive writing on a T-shirt somewhere? I'm going to walk down and. and I think, uh, yeah, Big Rob should get that shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. What's up? So, like, what's up, Large Robert? Where? Do you remember buying your first record yeah. that you bought? Yes, I bought Love the First Thing from the Scorpions with my own money. Was well, the first album I got ever was Alive She Cried by the Doors. Okay, uh, that was which is like a you know, and I didn't even know any like of the 
uh, um, trajectory of that. So I just thought it was like, like their album, you know, and they were new when I knew Morrison was dead. Right. Yeah, I had no idea. But uh, I was like eight and then seven or eight. And then I, I would get tapes from my friends and tape them off their tape. You know, mm-hmm. my, we always had a tape recorder. Always. My father was very uh, adamant about that. He always had like radios around and tape recorders and different stuff like that. You know, it's interesting because when we wanted to record or dub something, we had to listen to it yeah. in real time. Real time. And therefore, you would hear it a lot more times than you would just by pulling an MP3 into a folder. Yeah. You know, you'd have to sit there and sometimes the record would skip and you'd have to do it again. Or sometimes the cassette would run out of tape. You know, you'd run out of time on the cassette tape. I remember when they introduced the uh, self-flipping cassette tape decks. And then the double speed dubbing. Double speed, dude. Double speed dubbing. a twin. Actually, it's funny. My grandmother just passed. And she had a, (laughs) I couldn't believe it, a fucking twin cassette CD record player like thing. I was like, where the fuck did you a get A console this? thing? <laughs> I was like, where the fuck did you get this? <clears throat> when I was growing up, I had a, a boom box that had a, a Walkman that would come out of it. So it was a cassette deck and you plugged it in and when it was in the thing, it was the cassette deck for the boom box. But when you wanted to take it, you, saw, you pulled it out from the two like plugs and then it was a Walkman. Cool, that? that was hot. Sony? Uh, I think so. I don't remember exactly. I had a lot of different boom boxes. Oh wow! You know, yeah, me too. I used to like to have the loudest boom box so I could drown out anybody who wasn't playing metal. Because <laughs> <Awesome. laughs> I wasn't having it. Right. Um. So you bought Love at First Thing. Love at First Thing. You purchased like, that with your own cash. No money. Crazy Eddie's on Northern Boulevard on, on Main Street. Crazy mm-hmm. Eddie's Main Street Flushing. Okay. And it was like summertime, and the album had been out for a while, and I already had it like on a on a bad like a bad dub. But I wanted to get it for myself. And my mother wouldn't let me get it at first because the cover art was very suggestive. And she's like, what the It's a good thing you weren't trying to get Virgin Killers. Oh, forget it. I don't even think they had that, actually. Actually, they might have. But, but I remember from there, I mean, we would go to Flushing all the time on the bus because we live around the corner from the 2534 bus stop. And the last stop on the 25. You ate liver around the corner? No, the last bus stop. <laughs> <laughs> what did I? Th- I don't know what you just said. No, the twenty five thirty four. Okay, twenty five. Well, you know, I mean, Flushing was like the epicenter. Yeah. Of where we grew up to be able to get rock and roll stuff. That was real. It was. It's the center point of transit for Northern Queens. Yeah, that's and like, the, all the buses. That's the, where the subway first begins. Right, right. There's no other trains around there. It's like going to Jamaica Station. So all the buses come out of there and take you to your little neighborhoods. Long Island Railroad runs that way. Yeah. And the MTA. Train. You know, I remember there was a revelation one day when I realized I could walk to Flushing. You could. I didn't realize it at first, and then my buddy Butchka, Gary, uh, he got a little moped. So we were like, let's take the moped to Flushing. And then I think one day we were like, let's take the moped to Manhattan. (laughs) And that was crazy. As as fate would have it now, there are many mopeds in Flushing all over the place. Well, yeah. But, I mean, that's just for food delivery purposes. Yeah, totally. No, just getting around. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, we're turning into a third world country, so everybody's going to be making their own bicycles with engines on them. But um, as far as flushing goes, I mean, of course, we're going to talk about Stargazers and the Jolly Joint. You did not, was that before your time? Jolly Joint, I bought some t-shirts all the time. I used to go. There was two stores next to each other. I think Jolly Joint was across the street originally. I don't remember. And then it moved. Then it moved, but Stargazers was like a new age shop. I never went there. I used to go in there because they would get Krang. They had issues of Kerrang! in a box. Right. And I would go there because 
that was easier than getting into Manhattan. Yeah. You know, even though I did go to high school in the city. Right. On my way home, I would come through Flushing and I'd load up on rock and roll stuff. Cool. Jolly Joint had shirts and posters and head shop. It was a head shop and a sex shop. It was an everything for stoners and kids that grew up in the suburbs shop. Yeah. Yep. They sold wristbands and spiked things and right. Menudo colored wristbands sometimes for the multi-culty people that live closer to Flushing. Sure. Yeah. Um. So Scorpions. Scorpions first CD, first tape, cassette, cassette. Uh-huh. We never were big on vinyl. I don't, I don't have a lot of vinyl. I mean, I have, I have the uh, Pile Driver, the wrestling album on vinyl. We got that as a Christmas present. Oh, not the band Pile Driver. Not the band Pile Driver. Okay. No. Yeah. Well, you know, you were a little bit younger than me, and that was sort of phasing out. Yeah, no vinyl. We didn't even have a record player. Because like Love the First Thing, because oh. I was like more of a blackout. Right. That was my first Scorpions record that I picked up, right. which was a few years apart, I think. But um, three. Yeah. yeah. Um, Four. So then, from there, how did you end up Columbia. in the in the downtown part of the? How did you end up uh, getting into the hardcore scene, and how did you end up becoming a part of that world? Hardcore scene's a whole. It's reversed, really, for me. Because <clears throat> when I first started, I mean, when I first started as a music fan, I was not even into any remote anything remotely like that. Although I did like a lot of the thrash metal and a lot of the. Crossover thrash metal, DRI, the suicidal. I always cryptic I, I, slaughter, shit like that. You no, know, more like yeah, they suck. I, I, I didn't, I didn't even know them. So like, I didn't even a lot of the bands now that people talk about. I didn't even know about until I joined Caesar Crypt in 06. Like okay. 2006, that is. You know, I worked back in that realm. I worked backwards because I'm SOS was never into that scene at all, and mm-hmm. none of the. I'm the only guy in SOS that's re, not so much now, but. From like its early stages until about 2007, I'm the only guy in SOS who likes heavy stuff. Okay, for the most part. But were you ever like is SOS before Seizure Crypt? Then? Oh yeah, SOS has been around so since '95. What did you do anything musically before you did SOS? No, okay. SOS was the first thing I ever did, and right. I'm still doing it. Twenty. And that was '95. You started doing that. 1994. '95 was our first show. '94 we performed. Okay. So yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, dude, fucking long time. So how that. <laughs> Come about Queens College. Adam, the old lead singer, he used to sit diagonal from me in homeroom, and he was like this Guido dude with Cavaricci. Yeah, homeroom in college, in high school, oh. in Archbishop Malloy High School. <laughs> so yeah, so um, yeah, he right. used to <laughs> Irish boy. Yeah, man, dude. I mean, where else? No, no, you know, I went to art design. I was special. You know, well, no, I mean, you know what it is. The, the when I I went to one ninety four. I went to well, schooling wise. Right. We'll go back there. One ninety three. One ninety four. One ninety four. I Did you go one ninety three, or no. you went to the one in College Point? I went to one. I went to one. IS twenty five or whatever. It was. I went to one twenty nine. But before that, we were in Catholic school. All right, of us. right. And we all were like accelerated kids. You know, we were always in different programs. Mm-hmm. I took I took like a crazy reading score. I was like in first grade. So my mother went to the principal, and she's like, "What can we do for him?" And she goes, "He'll level off." <laughs> and my mother, my mother, that's like. My mother yanked us out. Of Old school, school, like, you out. know, treatment yeah. back in the day. Yep. Just like, he'll level off. Yeah. I had the same thing. You know, I would take special accelerated classes, and I went to St. John's University on weekends and stuff, and, you know, yeah. that was part of that whole, I guess, parent movement, you know, the whole... Uh, well, you want better for your kids, you know? Yeah, but parents at that time period were much more proactive about, or I probably not even as close as they are now, because right. it seems like it's super competitive. It's crazy. But man. that was the beginning of like, we want 
specialized schooling right. for our children, you right. know, yeah. help uh, work to their strengths. Right. So we got pulled out and went to, then went to public school. And that, that, that totally changed everything. Um, socially, every way, because I see it. My brother is a year and a half older than me. So he's in two grades higher, and it, it's, it's different for him than it is for me in so many aspects because he learned different. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say because I have friends who stayed in Catholic school too the whole time. Right, it's a, it's different. It's a whole different mindset. I, mean, I know a lot of people who went to Catholic school. Oh no, know? I went and I went to high school and we had to, you know it was strict, but but so Adam sat diagonally from homeroom, right? And he had like a rat tail and fucking cavalry cheese, but he used to bug me about music all the time, like Zeppelin and you know, do you like this? Do you like that? Do you like this? Whatever. And you know, we got to be friends and we got to hang out, and then he, you know, right in the throes of the I guess the nine, it's like sophomore year, it's so like eighty nine or ninety, and then. You know that you know what happened in '91, and then the the whole fucking world changed with Nirvana, and that was it. And he's like, "Fuck, we gotta start a band. We gotta start a band. We gotta start a band," and we did. So we went to Queens College together. Uh, and it was like a bunch of us who went to Queens College, and he and I were in the same matriculating class. Um, and I went to this Queens College too. Yeah, so Queens College, right? <laughs> we're, there, you know, we're following the same, you know, storyline, but pretty much a different yeah. era. Yeah. No, I'm I'm about six years behind you. Yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah, so we did that and we started uh, jamming in our, our friend's basement and like his basement apartment and we wrote songs. I had some songs, of, like I think I had one or two songs ready to go and then we just kept doing it. We, we got, you know, and just built it from there and just, it, it was like, a, you know, when I didn't take lessons. I had no real knowledge of doing what I was doing except just feeling it out and doing it and. And it worked out, you know, and I've been doing like that since in this capacity, and it works out nice. So you started singing and playing guitar, just... No, I didn't, I was done, dude, I didn't front SOS until I kicked everybody out in 07. Okay. So, I mean, I had sad songs that I'd sang, and I'd sang back up, and I was like the main guy, I was one of the guys on a, I was the main thrust on the microphone, like kind of being like the the segue guy between songs and, you know, like talking about, talking a band up and introducing a band, like that kind right. of shit. That's the art form that you've honed Hostmaster stuff, to this man. day. Yeah, that's what... Dude, I'm so ready for a game show. It's going to be funny. Get me well, a fucking yeah. game show, man. After... Uh, the F-bomb game show. After, Al, uh, what's his name? After Alec Baldwin is assassinated, you could take over a match game. The Lower East Side Squares. That'd be how good that would be. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so much fun. We got to make sure that that thing is sturdy. That... <laughs> <laughs> Might have to change the might have to change the shape just to accommodate the movie. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> gotta give you know. It'd be crazy. Some by some booths might need to have little coke mirrors in them and whatever. Yeah, I know, you know. Man, I think it'd be dangerous. That's a dangerous. Thing. Yeah, why don't we start off with more like yeah. something on one level? Yeah, totally. My line or something. Jeopardy. Jeopardy. Oof, that's rough. But East um, Village Rock and Roll Jeopardy. That'd be excellent. That would be awesome. They should do that. Well, we're gonna we we have to do that too. What you telling us? We have to do. We'll that see too. what our listeners say. You know, That'd all all three like, of them. Yeah, right. Like a Wednesday, dude. Like a Wednesday night in the middle of the summer, just to start it out and fucking see what happens. You do the sound effects. It'd be hysterical. They'd be fucking crazy. You <laughs> All right, let's get back to this tor- the 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 tale of Mike S O. Like, we have time for that. There's no time for that. There's no time for chicanery. We have f bombs to produce, motherfucker. Come on. <laughs> I gotta get back to work here. It's yeah, Sunday. I got stuff to do. I do. Ah, oh, it never ends. No, it never ends. That never ends. Well, I know that you're one of the most busy people <sighs> I've ever met. You barely sleep, and you're always on the run. Always on the run, dude. And you're always. like, 
I'm in Westchester. I'll be at the studio in 30 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, how is that possible? Because it's possible. Because you live in your car. I do, for the most part. I'm always, I'm always in transit, seemingly. All right. Um, um, not fun, but. So let's, uh, let's listen to some SOS. Some SOS. What, uh, what was the first SOS album? How many albums you guys put out? Six. Five or six. Five. I'm trying. There's demos and there's uh, thanks, man. There's demos and there's stuff. But actually, we're working on a new album right now. The new okay. album title is called Rock and Roll Machine. Okay. It's gonna be kick-ass. Just play whatever track you really want to put out there. Okay, man. I'm gonna go a little. Uh, Just give me a second. I'm gonna have to turn up the slider for you when you're ready. All right, cool. We'll go back to a happy time. 2005. <coughs> Coming off the album. A Guide to Better Living. <laughs> Track title. Track title is called The Wedding Guy. All right. Kick it, man. <laughs> That was, what's it called? The Wedding Guy. The Wedding Guy? The Wedding Guy. 
That was the winning guy by SOS. SOS. So what What was the lineup on that? That was me on guitar, uh, Adam on bass and vocals, mm-hmm. uh, Travis, our producer, Travis Harrison from Serious Business Music. He was on drums, and he recorded it, and uh, Mikey Vitiglio, Mikey V on other guitar. So, Where'd you do it? We did it at, at Serious Business Compound mm-hmm. in when he used to be in Johnson Avenue in what they call East Williamsburg now, but actually is Bushwick. Bushwick, yeah. <laughs> As we know, the New York. Yeah. Uh, it's Bushwick, dude. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, no, it's not Bushwick if you have a top knot yeah. <laughs> and can pay the rent. You can call it whatever you want. Whatever you want. But give me a fucking break. Check it out. Nah, but yeah, but he was over there, and um, we found him on Craigslist, because at the time, we had no drummer, and we wrote a bunch of songs, Adam and I, and we were like, we got to find somebody. I actually, we asked him, I asked him, because at the time, we had still have the, uh, we rented a room at Ray's Lawn and Mower Shop, where we still are, mm-hmm. 17 years later almost, or 16 years later. And uh, Wait a second, you're in that lawnmower shop? Yeah. With that... You know, I used to have a problem with the dude that owned that fucking place. Oh, sure. Yeah, everybody did. He used to fucking harass me when I would walk to the village <laughs> because of my rock and roll looks. Oh, sure. And uh, I wanted to kill him. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's just still alive, be, huh? He just wanted to be your friend, that's all. Yeah, he kind of wanted to be a friend with my ass, I think. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's not like that. You sure? Yeah. He's, married, know, he's married with children. Oh, okay. So that never happens. Never happens. Ever. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> ever. Ever. Never happens. It's never not. Happens. Not in Whitestone. Not in Whitestone. No, Nothing man. bad ever happens in Whitestone. Never. It's like Smallville. People don't <laughs> drop bricks on people's heads from the top of the hard buildings. They don't die of cocaine overdoses. Or build a par- they don't build airplanes in their apartments. They don't find they don't find hookers. Uh, wives don't find hookers with their with their husbands in their beds in the middle of the daytime. Ever. Never happens. Ever. It's it's like Leave It to Beaver. It's crazy. For those of you who don't know, Leave It to Beaver <laughs> is a television. All right. Um, <laughs> fucking get TV uh, TV Land, man. Check it out. So let's talk about. F bomb, F bomb, F bomb, which is a monthly rock and roll party. The best, the longest right. running, Long, the longest running. Wait, <laughs> dude, <laughs> it's had a lot of uh, know, names man. like the longest running rock and roll party in New York City. Yes, that's what it is. And uh, yeah, man, it's awesome. F bomb is so much fun. I we, I mean, for all uh, the headaches, so many headaches. Uh, no one even understands what Morgan goes through at all. No one. Well, you do. Me. You might have the most insight into what I, I have the most insight. Me and me and a, a select handful of people, maybe two other people. You know, I'm looking at that box you bought, and I'm like, is that donuts? And I realize it's from Staples, and now it's I'm disappointed. Staples. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know where to get good donuts in, in Whitestone. I mean, does maybe oh, the bagel stores, the Utopia bagel? The, the, donuts? Dunkin' Donuts downstairs from my apartment. <sighs> it's disgusting. They used to taste different when I was growing up. I know. The Dunkin' Donuts is closed downstairs from here. Is it? Yeah. No, uh, whatever. No, it's now it's moved. It's what next moved door it? to my apartment. Oh, okay. Excellent. Anyway. Didn't even know. F-Bomb, you're right. for those who don't know, yes. I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but it's a show that's been going on for about 12 years. We're about to do episode 125, which yes. is Rush. Unheralded. We're doing a tribute to Rush. We're doing two tributes to Rush. Two. The hits and the deep cuts. Deep cuts. And today, yesterday... We had another one of our F-bomb emergencies where we had to find a scramble. musician. Scramble to find a musician, which happens almost every month. Almost. 
And, you know, I would that's say, part of the thing that we do because we don't have a solid lineup. We have different people every time. Over 40% of the time it happens. Definitely. I would say it happens about 80% of the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, not... Somebody cancels. Not critically. Usually somebody cancels. Usually not within two weeks of the show. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you cancel within two days of the show, yeah. you go on the list. The list. No one wants to see the list. Hey, man, it's only in my head, so if you want it, you're going to have to crack my head open. A couple people know. I know. I Listen, I've seen the list. It's not a pretty... Let's not talk about the list. It's not pretty. Now, rule one of the list is we don't talk about the list. No one knows. I think some people might think they're on that list, though. Well, look, it's good. It's good that people should think that. You know, you got you to gotta do several things wrong to get on the list, though. There's a, there's a combination. There, there are... There are <laughs> there's different degrees. It's different degrees. But and of course, there's the other list, which is the really long list of great, awesome people that we've worked with. Thank God, man, because... That keeps growing. It grows exponentially. We are so blessed to have such a good, a deep pool of people to cull from that we can really ha- that can help sculpt what we do and make it sound perfect, you know? Tip the tail, man. You know, and people people are just willing to give up their time and give up what else to drop what they're doing half the time. A lot of times, you know, to really do it. Yep. You know, but a lot of it because we, you know, it is though. I think it's also a testament to what Morgan has set forth throughout the years and what we help to carry with that is the spirit of it. It's it's all good, man. It's it's not even about there's in in the scene that we we're in that we're all in is there's a lot of cutthroat shit and a lot of a lot of a lot of catty bullshit and a lot of you know backbiting and you know back talking and shit like that and it's not about that. negativity a lot of negativity well what i say about the party when i try to describe it to people is that we're about inclusion and not exclusion always and that's how i feel about a lot of people that i've been around in the rock scene is they want to keep it to themselves, and they want to keep their position. It's the worst. And they want to keep you in check. That's how you lose your position, by trying to keep your position. Yeah. To so keep your position, you need people around you. This is a little life lesson I've learned, because I did write an album called The Guide to Better Living. So check it out, man. I helped write, actually. Um, something I've learned through the years is the more people you bring up with you when you're working in an, in a, in an environment that requires you to think and plan things out, the more people you can bring with you to help you on that path and help them grow will help you catapult yourself further. That's a lesson <laughs> for everyone. So <laughs> soak it in, man. <laughs> Let's talk about how you first got involved in that bum and how to I don't remember how we met. Uh I think I usually don't remember how I meet people because I am a terrible drunk. I I don't think I we played an F bomb. We played a couple of we played your I know birthday. I you've you know, I've been looking at the old flyers. We have all the flyers now. Yeah. The first time I played was your birthday party with Fake CDC. Okay. Uh, that was the first one. And I had been to one or two prior to that. And you reached out to me, I think, on, on email. You know, you know, I originally thought for some reason that you were a drummer. And right. I didn't know. I don't know why I thought that. Yeah. But I think I was looking for a drummer. And I was like, hey, man, are you a drummer? Like, when I didn't really know you, I was like. Oh, to play in the metallic thing. Maybe. It was something. I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was a hardcore thing. Yeah, I know, but I didn't know. Maybe I had only seen your band like once or twice, and I was maybe busy, and I was like confused about what instrument you played at that point. Okay. Well, at that time we played. We, we we've always played the city, even though the Queens, SOS is a Queens band. And we played, you know, fucking Castle Heights all the time, and we played Blackthorn all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? 
you know, we play at every back room and we do all that stuff and, you know, back rooms at bars and shit. And we've done it forever and I love it and I still do it. But I've always, and one of the things we always did oh, uh, try to do with SOS is, is build a, uh, broaden our horizons, you know, whether it be creatively in the studio or musically, writing with writing music or just playing out, man, and bringing it to the people. And I always love playing the city. We played one of our first gigs was at the Spiral on, on uh, 244. In the basement? House at, uh, no, on the, on the main floor. Oh, that was towards the end when they built the stage, I think? Yeah, yeah. the stage, yeah. We played there a couple of times. We had some really good shows. Actually, the picture, a couple of pictures from our first demo tape, You're So Special. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, what do you call it? It's the back of, we're sitting down on the steps of what is now the market on Avenue A and First. And uh, that's the group shot, which is pretty cool. Because it's funny, even cooler, because I hang out at Double Down, which is like three doors down from that all the fucking time. And I de- I've DJed there, and, you know, all my friends, I have dear friends that work there. So Interesting note, yeah. three doors down, playing the inauguration this weekend. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyway, I couldn't sorry, help sorry, but throw yeah. that in. My, condo- um, my condolences. But yeah, we never shied from that and New York, and I always like to play there, and I think that we must have crossed paths that way, you know? And then realizing that you guys, you guys, did you guys ever play Nobodies? Who, Snake Canyon? No. Oh, Supervillain? Super yeah. Uh, I don't think so. No? Where is it? It's, it, was, it was on Northern, 147th and Northern. No, we did play in Astoria once. Yeah? I don't remember the name of the place. It was... Okay. It was on Steinway or something. Mm-hmm. Actually, we played twice because we once played at an outdoor thing on Steinway for like some th- summer fest. Oh, cool. And we were in front of Seatown. Yeah. And we were getting uh, people had signs that like rock and roll is sinful and you're going to hell and stuff. So, no. yeah, it was true. And people, I was just like loving it. So what I was getting that? all satanic and, you know, goading them. <laughs> what year was that? Oh, Thank man, 95, 96, maybe? Really? Yeah. Super villain. A really early version when it was, like, not the version that recorded albums. Right. But there was a version before that where it was me and Louis Gasparro, right. Mike Mirabella, and a bass player called Jam, who was also known as Goldilocks around town. He had a black dude with long, blonde extensions and little round glasses. Don't know. Anyway, some people know who Jam is. Really? Jerry Adams knows that motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, Jerry Adams, man. <laughs> that guy would always be like, "Love Jerry Adams." Hey, yo, Morgan, let me get a piece of herb. <laughs> no, no, jam. Jerry Adams, I love that man. I see him all the time. He's a good, good, good dude. Jerry Adams from the fucking Kenny's Castaways, man. Always yep. gave us, always gave us a show. Always gave us a break, man. Always. All right. Well, we digress. We'll get Jerry Adams in here one day, and I'll interview him. You should. You know, totally. in here in Shay Liebman. He's got fucking. He's got. He's got some fucking stories. That. Oh yeah, I know. I've been around some of them. But uh, (laughs) let's not turn this into the Jerry Adams podcast. No, no, no. Let's talk some more about our show. Yeah, no doubt. F bombs a lot of fun. F bombs are headaches and heartaches, and you know they can be difficult to to steer the ship when you're trying to you know get things back on course. But um, we have a great team intact now on every level. You know, we have a really good. Everyone's strengths are really being utilized to the maximum capacity, and everybody's happy to do it, and it's wonderful. It's yeah. a wonderful thing. People know what to expect and how to yeah how to deal with it. You know how to approach being in the show. Yeah, you know, and I said this in the documentary, and I'll say it again. You know, the main thing about F Bomb that's so amazing and awesome is the fact that 
we get such an amazing uh, amount of musicians to come in and basically do like crash course stuff, you know, if they don't really know, already know the stuff. But do like a crash course of their favorite band or even sometimes even a band they don't even fucking know because they got to, you know, we just get somebody to do it. And, and they come in and, not, and knock it out of the park all the time. And, and that, as a musician and a guitar player who's played in F-Bombs and knows how fucking hard it is to do that, that, you know, kudos and props to all the awesome ladies and gentlemen that come in and <coughs> consistently come out and kill it for us, you know, on a regular basis. Big, big love to them because it's not easy and word. It, it's a, it's awesome, man. Awesome. I don't use the word blessed, but I will use the word thankful, you know? Yeah. And I'm very thankful that people take the time and the energy to be a part of it. Yeah. Because I can't do it by myself. No. Not at the 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 way it's grown. Like back in the day when when it was Morgan at the DJ booth of the Delancey just hanging out, and uh, it's just grown from that. You know, I, and actually one of the things that really turned me on about the F bomb, which we brought back, it was the dancing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the female, the female. Yeah, aspect. that was one of our things when we can afford it. You right. know, we couldn't always afford to pay everybody. Right. As we we still can't. We still can't. No, we cannot. <laughs> We're hoping that things like the podcast and the documentary will change that. Yeah, man. You could, take a, you could take a piece of us home with you. I mean, come on. Well, you could take all of me home with you at points. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that easy, Morgan. Yeah, well, you know. Different strokes. That's why F-Bomb is such a huge... Uh, it's a long ride. It's a tapestry. It's a fine woven tapestry. Of different personalities and whatevers. Absolutely. People. Yeah, man. Oh, that's you know, good. We don't discriminate as long as you're not an asshole. What, what did Crystal say? She was like the conciliary of... A conciliary, a conciliary of metalheads. <laughs> that's so, that's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. I second that, man. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Ant. You know, we, we could say that until we added King Morgan. Because yeah, now we got that hippie guy in there. Not a metalhead. With his wheatgrass and yeah. vegan sodas or whatever. Yeah, all that stuff. Don't be knocking the vegan food, man. Hey, man, I eat it sometimes. Yeah. You know. But F-Bomb, dude, F-Bombs are great. And, you know, now that we have, like, a, a, such so many people and so many different uh, regular F-Bombardiers and stuff like that, we can... I really... I'm grateful to you because you let me put together some shows. And knowing how hard it is for that, you know, like, I'm no stranger putting shows on. I put... I put shows on. I've been putting shows on since SOS started. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never, I've always been a dude who gets gets the truck or the van. I have all the equipment. Yeah, well, you know, we yeah. know that you produce those shows in Tompkins Square Park every summer. It. The Tompkins, that's what's played at the marathon every year. You know, we played our friends' backyards all the all the fucking time. We played outside all the fucking time. Growing, go, starting out, block, we didn't care. Block parties. We didn't give a shit, man. We just wanted to play. And, and you know, I love that spirit that I'm able to still have, thankfully still have in me because I know how easily it can be erased away or taken away from you when the music world consistently kicks you in the nuts. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, you don't do it. We don't do it for that reason. We do it because we need to play music. Yeah, no, right, exactly. I want to share that. And that's the whole thing, too, what you came back to before about that is the sharing aspect. It's about sharing with your friends. Like, I'm, I'm so grateful to be able to still do it at the level I'm doing it at being able to do SOS, you know, as like my main source of creativity and be able to do the F-bomb every month and still be able to do, you know, produce those shows and go to Blackthorn and host the shows and mm-hmm. DJ and all the other shit, you know, and it's so much fun. So um, I just want to sh- I want to spread that love, man. I want to spread the love around. I want, pe- I want people to feel it. I want people to be uh, 
inspired by it, and I want them to take and, and do what they want to do with it, man. And 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 this is the perfect vehicle doing the F bomb parties every month. Like we're so lucky right now. We're in a good position with Orleans Grocery where we're at. We have a really good team of people at that on their end who make sure that we can get it done on a monthly basis as smooth as we do. And um, you know, we have a good like I think we have, we have a growing fan base. I mean, dude, I've seen it. It's it baffles me every time. How the fuck does anybody who I don't know under twenty five or under thirty know to come to fucking F bomb every month? You know, I like where did, where is it going? I look in the crowd and I don't know two thirds of it. Yeah, I know, which is a good thing. It's fucking great. It would be nice to see more of our friends there. But hey, whatever, maybe I they're not. That too, you know, maybe they got stuff going on. Whatever. Listen, when we reach our ages and people don't do that, there's less time to be a participant and more time to do what you want to, you know, to. Do what you got to do. And I get that, you know. There's ways about that, too. I mean, it's partly... That's why also being able to do the F-bomb like we do it, where when I first started playing in F-bombs and being a producer, but before that, playing in F-bombs, um, it was always just one band, and we'd have other bands open. And that's great, you know, and that's that's fun, and it's good for the local scene, and I definitely love doing that. But now with the multitude of people we have in the F-bomb, you know extended family we could do at least two sets of music almost all the time yep. and while it doubles the expense the delivery the power of the delivery at the end of the, the at, at the end result which is the performance is just amazing you know it's a family to yeah. me in my way i look at it yeah. relationships start and end and yeah. bands are formed and bands break up formed. and yeah. Yeah. you know just all life happens through this thing that we happen to do and we see a lot of the same people all the time. I mean, we've lost some people yep. over the years. Some people we know have had kids. I mean, it's just the circle of life, right? Yeah. And it's interesting to be part of it. And it, you know, my great, my favorite stories from the F bomb, like from the bombardier standpoint, is when it's, it's like a comeback when someone hasn't been on stage for a long time, or they've had a setback, whether it be, uh, you know, it could be a sick relative, it could be a a personal uh, injury, it could be just like a, dis, a, dis, a total disdain for the world around them. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, I have I also enjoy when somebody's first ever performance. That's incredible as well. You know, I right. mean, yeah, having my sister cool. come in and do that was pretty awesome. That's fucking awesome. You know, because yeah. there's not a lot of musicians in my family on either side and mm -hmm. have her grow up and then be like, I'm coming to New York. And then I'm like, I'm, you're coming into the show then. Yeah. And, you know, she's in, not into the kind of music that we do. But it's nice to see, yeah. you know, how it just all music brings people together. It does. And that's part of what we try to do. It is. Totally, man. And it's always, even for SOS, man, back in the day and with Seizure Crypt 2, I mean, you know, we've always been about camaraderie between other fellow musicians. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a relay race. It's not a fuck. It's a marathon, man. And you know what? You all have your pace and you all, you're going to run by the same person three times probably. So you might as well fucking say hello and be cordial. You know, if, don't be a dick. And and just keep it keep it keep it copacetic, man. You know. Speaking of Caesar Crypt, yes. You want to play a track? I would love to play a Caesar Crypt track. Matter of fact, I'm gonna play from Caesar Crypt, which is the band I was so grateful to be in from 2006 till about 2013. Uh, we definitely turned shit sideways and had a good time doing it. And this song is. The first song I had a chance to actually write with Seizure Crypt, and it's in the jukebox at Double Down Saloon at on the Ad Adrenaline Head compilation. And our 
Unfortunately. Our go-go dancer. Oh, yes. That's right. Our, our go-go bombshell. bombshell. Miss Allison Diane. Go dear Allison friend. Bar Goddess. That's right. Dear she friend of She works ours. over there at Double Down, so go visit her sometime. She is at Double Down every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday from 8 to 4 a.m. So come on down to the Double Down. That's it, man. Check her out. Tell her, tell her F-Bomb sent you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So introduce that song. This song is called Drug Pig. And just a disclaimer. At the end, you gotta listen for the gong. Seizure Crypt. <laughs> You're listening to WFBM. Yeah, totally, man. F bomb radio. F bomb radio. All right, cool. that sounds weird over the yeah headset. So maybe you'll send me the track if it doesn't sound right, okay. and I'll plug okay. it in that way digitally. Okay. Um, all right, so uh, let's move on to some funny stuff. Funny stuff. This is all funny stuff, Rob. I don't know. We got kind of solemn there for a minute. I don't know. I kind of like oh, everybody's so great. Make it. I know. Oh, and they uh, help us, and they're all uh, beautiful people. They are. They're not all. They're kind of most of them. Some of them are scum, <laughs> but I love them. I'll take help from anybody I can I get. Know, really? No shame in that game. Holy mackerel. Yeah. I'm getting a warning that it was too loud, so we're going to have to do something with that. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, you know, this is the first episode, so yeah. we're just trying to get the kinks worked out. Master you know, Paul Bertolino told me that they... They add their songs afterwards. 
when they do his podcast. So maybe we'll do that okay. going forward. But I kind of like the live DJ feel. So as 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 a live DJ should. Yeah. So that's why we do our annual okay. Saturday in the park. Oh my uh, goodness. Oh, you know, in the park. Oof. And we always hope that it rains and nobody's there. Yeah, we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I really try hard every year to make sure it rains so we, no one shows up. Nah, man, it's awesome. That is so much fun to do because people have no idea why the fuck there's two guys and their middle, middle-aged dudes sitting out, two middle-aged metalheads sitting out in Pompersville Park in the middle of the park blasting 70s music. They have no clue. Yeah, no. Why should they? That's right. They don't need to know. We got a license. That's right. I got a permit, man. Yeah. What the fuck? Why are, people crawl, tunes, why are people running around the woods shooting at deer? I mean, what the fuck is that all about? Why are the crusty punks fucking sunbathing in the, in the grass 50 feet away from us? Because, you know. Yeah. They know where to go. Lice needs sun? I guess so. Uh, Apparently. <laughs> tell me one of your what are you, one of your funniest memories of, of an F-bomb. What's one of the most crazy, stupid things that you can remember not involving Spinal Tap? Uh... Tell know, me a story that pops in your head about F-bomb. There's no stories because you know, for me, it is like a, it's like a. There's no time for stories. I'm I'm making sure everything's all right. So, like I've hear stories. Other people, I can't tell other people's stories because that's not right. But um, for me, man, it's just the, <laughs> the story. The story is uh, there's no the story at the end of every F-bomb is that there's no story. You know what I mean? Like everything's good. Everything ran well. It it it, it ended. It it's ended over. Well. Time to start thinking about the next one. Right. All right. At this point, right now, I'm, we're almost at a point where I'm two weeks in, even before rehearsing for the first, this one we're working on, and then we're always into the next one. Yep. And I like that. That's the way it should be. We got to plan it right. Well, now. you know, I mean, it gives us time to correct right. problems when they come up, and yes. they always come up. They always come up. And that's because. why, you know, I got to say to you. Uh, you, I say this a lot, but without you, I can't do this show. No oh, man, because awesome. you keep me from freaking out. Freaking out. You keep me on an even keel, and you also help humanize me to other people who don't understand how my brain works. Toughest part of my job. You know, I'm not even <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm sure things go on behind the scenes. I don't know about where you have to tell people that's just the way Morgan is, and don't take it personally. Yeah, uh, yeah. Usually twice, you know, twice during rehearsal cycle. You have to. <laughs> I have to have like an iron hand to get things done. You gotta. I gotta be the bad guy sometimes. No, you gotta be. I, there's no one. No one's a better good cop, bad cop than me. Anymore. Right on. No we should one. make a buddy film. We should. You know, totally. s- s- smoker and the and the buzz yeah, or man. something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Lozenge and the goatee. Yeah, dude. I'm down. That's totally totally correct. Um, yeah, but that, I mean, there's a lot of that's fun, funny. I, you know, really, like I said, especially if I'm doing a lot for an F-bomb, if I'm singing or if I'm playing, I'm not even thinking about none of that except that. Right. And that, that consumes, like, a good portion of the week before and definitely the day. Well, of. you know, I mean, I don't know if you know why I don't do any F-bomb stuff the day after an F-bomb, but I totally get it. I'm not only exhausted, but I usually go through, like, a post-F-bomb depression yeah. when I'm done. It's, like, such a weight. Yeah, I, I put out so much energy yeah. and so much effort each month. Yeah. That when that day comes around, I'm just shot yeah. and usually hungover. Usually, yeah, not always, but you know, less and less these days. But lessing, lessened. We got a lot of stuff to get done now. It's not like every back in the day when it was just like, oh, let's just go for it. Fuck it. No, I know. You know, but that, that that's actually, you know what? Thankfully, too, that's one thing is the alcohol consumption. I've uh, definitely decreased in recent years because I just can't do it anymore. 
We're not getting any younger. Well, it's not even that. It's just that, you know, for me, I just, I'm no good for like three days, man. And I got to be good like six hours later. Yeah, well, you got, we all got our own rhythms that we live our life by and whatever. I'm never one to tell anybody how to behave or do what they do. And I don't want anybody telling me to do what I want to do. And we have. Just take vitamin C, people. We have, we have a spectrum of people. Oh, yeah. From stone cold sober or beyond sober where they've never done anything before. Straight edge. Not even. Just they never had a need to medicate to people who are on the other, let's just to be kind, say on the opposite end of the spectrum. Opposite. And I think you know who I'm talking about. Uh huh. (laughs) (laughs) It's not you. Don't worry. I'm not naming names, but I'm sure some people are like, is he talking about me, that motherfucker? He is. (laughs) (laughs) Um,. So what do you see us doing, man? Where do you want this well, to go? F-bomb, man, yeah, it's man, so much gotta... fun. Just to be able to do that. I mean, dude, I just want to keep doing good shows and hopefully, you know, build it to that. Maybe we could do a quarterly one in a bigger room and you right. know, build. It's it's a slow burn. We're gonna. No one's going anywhere. You know, the the co-producers of the documentary want to do like the last, like for the big finale of the documentary, they want to rent out a bigger venue. Gramercy. And we'll do like a bigger show somewhere, you know? Yeah. Gramercy, Bowery, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. So who knows where that can lead. I know. Sorry to interrupt you, but... No, no, no. That's, that's perfectly cool. You know, but even with that, I, within this, you know, it, it can go... I don't want to say backwards, but it can go... It can downsize and downscale. And people can do their... People who are in the show and who feel the need to do something... Like a little more exploratory mm-hmm. or a little more uncommercial, uncommercial, right? You know, or you know. Yeah, right, a little less, a little less, or a little more of the beaten path, or more personal, you know, more personal. You know, I mean, we're all about it. You know, you I, know I've been, I've been in touch with the club that wants us to do something there on a smaller scale. Mm-hmm. I can't produce it myself, right. but I mean, somebody else can, Morgan right. or Tommy or whoever, yeah. anybody correct, wants correct, to. Man. And for those of you who might be confused, that there's there's two Morgans in the F bomb. Yes, that might be confusing to some people. I'm not speaking about myself in the third person. No, there's a King Morgan. Yes, who's tall. You've seen him. He's tall, and I'm Super Morgan, and I'm short. So that's how you tell us apart. That's right. There you go. Um, also, he's nice. <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> I think I think we pretty much covered the bases, man. I I just wanted to do this thing at the end where I play a song uh-huh. by a band uh-huh. that is requested by my interview subject. So you tell me a band, and I'll yeah. pick out a song by said band uh-huh. and play it as oh, our wow. outro. Oh man, really? So it's sort of like a DJ request <laughs> situation. So. Oh, damn it. Doesn't have to be your favorite band, just no, something that you. Cool. It's, like, it's got to be a cool outro. It should be something that is a Mike Sauce type of tune that'll yeah. be your outro. You know? Metallica's Orion. Okay. Give me a second to pull that up. Yeah, man. Totally. And while I do that, give us a little bit of your Mike Sauce uh, hosting. Oh, man. Well, hosting? Oh, well, thank give you. Give it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. You want me to do it like straight up? Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> it's Sunday morning, man. Hold no, on. it's Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. Uh, okay. Let's give it up for Snake Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Get that plug. <laughs> nice job, gentlemen. All right, everybody. Hope you have a good day. Good night so far, Black Thorn. Hey, man. A lot of great music awaits you tonight. Stick around. 
Purple Pam and the Flesh Eaters. Before I play this track, man, I just want to thank you, Mike, for being an awesome business Adam partner Strange. and a good friend. And hey, man, I was trying to say something meaningful. Adam Strange. I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm hosting the show. Let's hear it one more time for Snake Canyon. There you go, see? I'm hosting the show. All right. Make sure you get five valid PBRs. $10 made trooper beers. All right. $18 cause right pictures. Here we go. Yeah, man. Metallica's arrived. Thanks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> 